Hello to everyone tuning into this edition of Bloom Fireside. We are at episode 7, and today we have Sebastian Serrano, the founder of Ripio Credit Network. Those of you in South America and Central America should definitely appreciate today's fireside because Ripio is already well-founded in Argentina and Brazil and are making their way to Mexico next. Sebastian and I had a really nice chat about how Ripio got started, where the idea came from, and a little bit of soccer because of the World Cup, and how Ripio will take advantage of the Bloom Protocol. Without further ado, I give you Bloom Fireside Episode 7 with Sebastian Serrano of Ripio. Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. As I mentioned in the intro, I've got Sebastian Serrano here, the founder and CEO of Ripio Credit Network. Sebastian, thanks so much for taking some time during a very crucial time in Argentina's history (laughs) to to, to, to speak with me. There's a football match right now of of our national team. Yeah. So everybody is, is here, like even the entire office is watching the game. And, and depending on what happened, like the, there could be, if there is a goal, there's going to be some general shouting here. Yeah, I'm but not... that's good. Yeah. We, did, we, we should have used another scheduling, but that's fine. Uh, I was going to say, I'm <laughs> I hope I don't blame, miss any goals. Yeah, I'm actually going to blame Juan for, for this because okay. he's the one who actually put this on your calendar at this time. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to take the blame this time. <laughs> if they do score, well, you want to blame somebody. Team, yeah, you yeah. can blame somebody yes. on your own team. So. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's um, fine. Well, like I said, thanks so much for taking some time. I know you're really, really busy. So, uh, so we'll don't want to rush this, obviously, but I won't. I'll try not to take up a ton of your time. Uh, as always, I just want to get started and set a nice foundation for the conversation and ask you, what is Ripio Credit Network? So uh, Ripio Credit Network is a peer-to-peer credit network based on smart contracts. And the, there are a few now. Uh, we were one of the first ones starting on working on credit on, on blockchain. Um, but the, the main difference with us is that we are building several types of loans. And the most common one is a cosign loan that, to co- so that allows the user not to have a collateral and which is the most common way loans are, are done in the real world. And, and we define ours, ours this way, mostly because our mission has always been to create financial inclusion and allow to these tools to empower people and get, get more access to the financial instruments and service to the general population. And that we can go into deeper into, into that later, but this, this, uh, at the core is kind of like, if you want to shorten it up, it's like, you can imagine it as a lending cloud or uh, a peer-to-peer marketplace built using smart contracts uh, where anyone in the world can ask for a loan and anyone, and it connects globally uh, to lenders uh, worldwide. Cool. Um, so we've got a nice foundation for what it is, and you've mentioned several different types of loans. What or how how did you actually get Ripio started? Where where did the idea come from? So um, RCN, which is the credit network, is a product inside inside Ripio, uh, and we are op- building it open source, and, and 
launched it to the world. Uh, it has a tight connection with uh, with our vision. That's that's why the the, the name is connected. But Repio, the, the big company, the bigger company around it, is uh, um, Bitcoin Wallet um, um, that allows you to uh, get access into all the um, blockchain ecosystem by buying crypto assets and now also building tools that will give more financial inclusion. Our main countries are Argentina and Brazil. Have, we have always focused in, in South America. The company has five years now. We started in 2013. And we, like, for me, it was like, I'm a nerd for all my life. I, my first exposure with the internet was, I think, in 1985 uh, when I was in high school. And in 1989, I built an ISP in my hometown. I'm from the Patagonia. Oh, wow. And yeah, like, I, when I saw the internet, I fell in love with it. I had to do something with it. And the first time, like, in the 90s, the thing that you had to do if you were an entrepreneur was to allow people to access the internet. Yeah. And that was building the ISP. So build an I, and dial up with other people. It was an, an amazing experience. And then in 2012, I learn about Bitcoin and blockchain and this technology and it was like, wow. <laughs> and like complete deja with the internet. I had to be on this. So they, we started the company with a mission of allowing access, which is the most important thing right now. The blockchain access to be able to buy and sell crypto assets. Um, and this vision is like really extreme need for, for, for this technology. Um, our currencies are very poor. Like in the last month, uh, the Argentinian pesos. I'm I'm here in Buenos Aires, uh, in Argentina, and in the last month, the peso dropped thirty percent oh, against wow. the dollar. Yeah. Like in, in in a month. Um. Like. Uh, and in my lifetime, I seen three major economical crises where the currency completely collapsed. Um, this is like com com very normal um, across the region. Sixty-five percent of the population doesn't have access to banking, and and or not not access to formal or semi-formal. Uh, one of the big reasons is because also it's a poorer region, and and for more like traditional financial city, uh, companies or providers like banks, it's, uh, it's very expensive to get into these segments of the population. And I think that th this technology has the, the chance to lower the cost uh, of, the, of technology. And then by that, al allowing it to be cost effective and to reach more, more people. Also, um, uh, the only thing that we need to get access to like service to, to a user is like they have installed a mobile app on their mm -hmm. phone, they do all the KYC, AML from the phone. They don't have to go any branch or anything. We don't have branches. Uh, and more than 60% of our users, like the population, don't have banking. Uh, they we have a network uh, of agents that, where people can, and connections or, um, to networks where people can go with cash and load the wallet instantly with cash. And so um, we currently have more than 200,000 users uh, between Argentina and Brazil, and we are launching in Mexico very soon. 
uh, and we are working to launch in um, Colombia and Chile by the, by the end of the year. And we want to cover the entire South America with the wallet. Uh, and using our knowledge with the wallet and also the, seeing the needs of our users is that we got into the idea for RCN, mm -hmm. uh, which, which will enable our users to get access to credit, but from a pool of liquidity that, that is global and also build this tool so that any other wallet can use it or any other exchange can plug into this network and and get and so that we build a, a global network for credit that can be more efficient a lot more transparent and can connect people globally uh, for something so important for the economy uh, as financing okay I think you've actually covered off the next question already. Uh, um, not something I intended to ask, but I think pertinent here, if you don't have exact numbers, I think that's okay. But um, you made a key point about Ribio doesn't have branches. Um, Argentina and, and a lot, big portion of Brazil are, are quite poor. Do you have any idea what's, what smartphone penetration rates are like? Like, is it above 50% or? It's above 50%. It's, it's above 50%. Um, I don't know exactly this year, but I think is it should get over sixty. Mm -hmm. um, but um, for example, in Argentina, there are two lines per per capita. Uh, the, so there there are people that has more than one. A lot of people that has one more than one number. Um, mm -hmm. And also, the other thing that you can see now is that everybody's going to have a smartphone. Right. If you go to any shop today to get a, a, a phone uh, from any of the companies, they only exhibit the smartphones. So we still have feature phones, but I think like in a two, four year uh, time lapse, everybody's going to have a, a smartphone. Yeah. No one is selling uh, feature phones anymore. So uh, it, it, it's going to be like by 2020, 2022 is going to be like most of the population is going to have a smartphone and and have data access mm -hmm. so so i think like the the the, uh, the chance to jump into the future is like leapfrog into into the future without like i think like most of our users are never going to have banking like right the users that today are not bank and they started having access to financial services through us are not going to require to open a bank account. Right. Um, I, I figured that was the case. I just wanted to see if we can get at least a, a couple of numbers out there in terms of where the population is actually at. Uh, you know, uh, obviously a lot of them don't have banking. So, you know, just double checking and, and getting uh, uh, all these English uh, weird, weird things. Temperature setting in terms of like, Ripio, Ripio and the credit network is actually on the right track and that sort of thing with, you know, not not expecting people to go to a bank or a branch because you don't have one. And therefore, obviously, a smartphone is is the place where they will access. And, you know, if, if more than half the pop of the adult population, at least, is is uh, accessible to you, you know, as part of your your addressable market. Great. Obviously, you're on the right track. And, and I would suspect that that was true. And it sounds like it is. I know I know Brazil has quite high smartphone adoption rate, almost entirely Android, you know, except for 
know. Yeah, it's the same in Argentina. Like, yeah, uh, most of like mm, I think 90, 95% of our users have Android. There yeah. is very little uh, uh, usage of iOS. People with more like uh, that are more wealthy tend to use more uh, iPhone yeah. uh, iPhone phones, but is I think in the entire Argentina is a hundred thousand iPhones, something like that. It's like, <laughs> across all of South America? <laughs> no, across on the entire Argentina, which is forty million. Oh, oh Argentina, okay, yeah. Um, so that's, I don't know the numbers of Brazil, but I think Brazil is more. Yeah, that's uh, probably. But still, Android is the the platform. That's probably the number of iPhones that are in the city of London, Canada five minutes from me and, and it, you know that's because the numbers are are still in uh, majority in favor of ios uh in canada and the us i think it's like 56 percent ios maybe 60 same with the us and then the rest pretty much all android so okay well that was interesting um you are the founder and ceo was there anybody else as part of that that co-founding team or who has been there since day one with you yeah, so we were three founders uh, at the beginning. Um, the we come from a previous experience. Um, we before uh, before Ripio, um, me and Luciana, my other co-founder, we uh, were at uh, Devsar, which is a consulting firm doing um, software development. Mm -hmm. And many of the projects that we were working on were related to payments, and and also the one measure credit product here in, in Argentina. So we, we come from from a lot of ex previous experience uh, working for uh, FinTechs and, and also doing payments. So um, if, at the beginning, we start with just a payment processing solution, and then it evolved into building entire infrastructure, which is Avalon Wallet, Exchange, and, and payment processing. But it was always like the, the inner vision that the most interesting things are going to be built on top. Uh, mm -hmm. So the wallets are kind of like, I think it in this way, is we're kind of like the browser of the, <laughs> there is some gelling, it's close, well, that was close. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think like the, 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 the wallets are kind of like the browsers of this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, so that um, you're not only gonna be able to access assets through, through it, but also other, all other products and services built on top of this technology. And for financial services, it's clear that one of the largest things that can generate the most uh, revenue is um, is credit. So that's uh, and also seeing the needs of our users, it was like clear that that is that's a very important thing. Um, and many of our users, especially the ones that are not bank, uh, don't have a credit history, uh, and the and the the uh, services they have access today are super expensive. Um, it's actually, it's, it's expensive to be poor. It's like, uh, yeah. And, and if you take a loan in the streets, it's going to be above 100%. Uh, and in Argentina, in Brazil, like a credit card in Brazil can go 
200, 300% annual interest rates. I think I saw on your uh, website the market, as high as 645% or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was for a, short, like, a short-term loan. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's hard to have loans denominated in local currency in a country that has high inflation. To have, it's impossible to have a, a loan that is under the inflation because then the one that is giving the loan is losing is losing value. Yeah. Uh, but you also see like interest rates that are just ridiculous, um, and it is because there is lim- limit offer and it's just for uh, for competition. And by lowering the friction of the system, by reducing the intermediaries, uh, it, it can it can be very competitive and uh, and make it meaningful for for a lot of people. I'm just again a little off the cuff here. I'm just wondering if would it be easier, or or you know would it be dramatically easier for an Argentinian to take out a loan? Um, denominated in pretty much anything other than the Argentinian peso and, and, you know, and, and be able to pay it back. Like, even if it was something, you know, still another crypto asset or, or cryptocurrency like USD Tether, or if it was Ether or, or Bitcoin, like it, I imagine that has to be part of the idea here is right. Get a, get them away from a, a, a hyperinflation environment or, you know, or, or even just, um, an environment where you know, it's built in a way that, that you can denominate it in any currency or even in any ERC-20. So mm-hmm. we have the loans that are originated from a wallet that are done in local currency, uh, mainly because people make their living in the local currency. Right. So um, it's, it's difficult to um, it's, it's, it's a bad decision to have a, um, loans denominated in a currency that is not uh, part of the the driving of the all the economic values. Okay. And we are that's that's one type of loan. We also having are building this other type of loan that's going to be launched very soon, which is uh, it's going to be live on our. We're about to launch a app where you can uh, get access to loans that has that are. are Decentraland. Decentraland is a virtual world where every parcel of land is a token. It's tokenized in the Ethereum network as an ERC721. Okay. And we're building a, we have a loan, it's already working, where you can put the parcel as a collateral. That loans are denominated in MANA, which is the, the currency of Decentraland. Um, and you had to denominate it in the same currency because that entire ecosystem is value um, in with this currency with with mana. So, um, in order to keep things tied up and so that there is no disparity into what is what is happening internally and outside, you had to we are we are doing them in mana because that's going to have the less volatility of the parcel against the uh, the unit of economics okay if um so that 
in, in every case, you had to look on, on, on what makes makes more sense. Like if we denominated loans in, in dollars uh, for our user base, then, then the user would have uh, for sure much lower interest rates. But at the same time, is putting themselves in a much higher risk of not being able to pay. Okay. And um, so there is always a trade-off, or you hash the the inflation, or you had to, uh, or like, or you had to look at the the if you want to lower the interest rates and put it in a harder currency, then you have a risk of a higher risk of default. If you tied it up into a local currency, um, you had the inflation, so it, there are more chances that people will be, always be able to pay it, but then you have a risk of depreciation of the loan. Right. That has to be covered through through interest rates. It's much easier to cover that risk through interest rates because inflation is a lot more predictable. Um, than, uh, than shocks in an economy that may cause systemic risk. But that's, that's again getting just maybe too much te technical for, <laughs> maybe. For, um, for talking about an integration from, with, with loan. But, no, that's fine. I, I just, you, you know, you're making some interesting points about what, you know, what the situation is like for you, you know, in Argentina specifically and, and South America more broadly. And I think it's a big, it's a big, big difference compared to what a North America, what a Canadian or American would consider a high interest rate, or what a, you know a Western yeah. or Northern European would consider a high interest rate. I mean, six hundred percent is absolutely unheard of here, unless it's a really short-term payday yeah. loan that you're intended to pay back in a week or two, uh, not over yeah. a few years. And you know, my parents growing up bought a house, and and their interest rate on their mortgage was eighteen percent. And that is up here. That's astronomical. It's like that's a credit card interest yeah. rate. You know, like that's crazy yeah. up here. But it's but it for you and and for you and and you know the people who live near you, it's more of a day to day reality. And so it's just interesting to get that perspective and understand culturally, you know, geographically what what some of the differences are. So um, that's that's interesting. Um, one quick question you know you mentioned that you and Lise, luciana used to work together at a at a consulting firm doing consulting software development um, anything any other um, highlights from your career from your education that that have lent themselves to wanting to start ripio or or what you're doing right now well we we both were always uh, working on internet related startups and this is like the next internet um it's gonna reshape the entire internet so i think that's what drive us to, to work in this before i was also a um, uh, security administrator Bef before that so i was a uh, security administrator for the minister of economy uh doing um more of a three of us are come with a security background i hope that helps to um, some of the most uh, important challenges of building uh, in this in this technology um, is like, you had to be a lot more careful. The risk of, of having failures in security are 
several orders of magnitude higher and that makes you code slower and have a lot more reviews and audits and maybe you don't push as, as, as fast as you would like because uh, yeah. you're programming <laughs> money like it's like really like and the but the concept is i think is kind of like at the same level a little bit less but, uh, but close to coding for area spatial uh if you if you make a mistake in coding a rocket it could be a disaster yeah and millions of dollars or even lives could be lost uh in this case most likely millions of dollars will only be lost and not people but it's, it's a uh, because it doesn't allow you to um go fast and break things uh, you, you, you cannot break things um <laughs> so you can like <laughs> i've i've been in your telegram community why we certainly get a similar sentiment of like when is this going to happen i'm like guys this is literally your money on the line. We cannot afford to do this improperly. We have to make sure, you know, it's one thing to put yes, put yeah. put code up on Rinkby or, or another test net and make sure it's okay and, and let people mess around a little bit. It's another to actually get that on the main net without being audited for security and performance and all that. And then just have something potentially blow up in your face. And like you said, it, maybe it's only thousands, but it could be millions of dollars or, in EOS's case, you know, brand new mainnet blockchain yeah. could be billions of dollars and, and we don't want to be responsible for that. So I absolutely understand the sentiment. I, I see your, your community managers trying to help manage expectations. <laughs> Occasionally I jump in and I'm like, guys, this is just the way it's got to be. Relax. Like we're all of the good projects are all taking a very cautious approach. We need to do this right the first time. Beta doesn't mean the it, same it thing when it's when we're actually dealing with your money as it does when you know we're giving you an email app. It's it's two very different mm -hmm. things. Yeah, totally. Um, it's nature nature of the industry, and yes. um, that also shows who is professional and who is not. And is managing expectation is is very very hard. But it, it, it then all the products are going to be there. It's just uh, you. It's, it's it's a matter of time and push, pushing it slowly. Like um, we we take things very seriously. I heard your team again go. Oh, wow. <laughs> just a little bit. It wasn't that loud. It was pretty quiet. Yeah, it, you, it, was, it, it, it was already three times very close. So. <laughs> they'll score. They'll score. I, I'm a little torn. My my spouse is is part Croatian, so she's oh, really happy okay. if they're winning. She's, she's mostly worried about Serbia. She feels more connection to, to Serbia than, than Croatia, but still, she's uh -huh. she's uh, I don't I don't want her to come home she's, disappointed. She's winning, so I, she's okay. she's probably paying passive attention to the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little torn. I want to see Argent I want to see the Americas do well. I don't want I don't want my wife to be upset if she comes out. She probably won't that, won't be that upset. Anyway, um, only so, one team can win the cup. Yes. Of course, we all know the that. nature of the game. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so a, a question I hear coming up more often, and so I wanted to pose it to you, is about you know why is this thing being built on the blockchain? So I have some ideas uh, in terms of why Ripio is being built on the blockchain. I think you've already 
explained a little bit in a roundabout way, but do you do you have a more direct answer in terms of why specifically the credit network or even or even just Ripio as a whole is is best built on a blockchain? Um, well, di different things. Like I think cryptocurrencies are better than sound money. Just just by being programmable, we have seen. So I've seen several times in my life how a currency can be an abuse mm -hmm. uh, for short-term uh, de dealing with short-term issues and then printing money and destroying value in the future. And, right. and that can be very, very abused. So having uh, an, em an emission of money that is predictable, um, it allows you to, to know that you can uh saving that money and so bitcoin is a huge experiment and i won't tell anyone to put all their savings uh into crypto but i'm i'm for sure more they're I'm very very sure that there are more chances that they will hold the value in in, in bitcoin especially than than in any of the emerging markets um, local currencies so um that's one thing um and that i think is is just important and sometimes we, we want to avoid these speculations um but uh, but in emerging markets is more than it's not not even speculating it's just holding value mm -hmm. um the second thing is that um this this technology is part of a bigger revolution right like uh, we are in a, a moment and it's just natural. It's going to happen that money is going to become software. And Bitcoin, Ethereum are the first forms of programmable money. And we don't know exactly everything that's going to be built with this. Uh, but at least it's, it's uh, very easy to see that contracts are going to start being published. Um, start become smart contracts have been registered in blockchains it gives you uh, a level of uh, the of transparency and record keeping that you cannot do with any other system and and this is gonna unlock uh, many things like we like people is reluctant to see how much um, like how much has been it's just a shows you the potential of just if you unlock um being making making it easy to finance projects how much money there is liquid to finance projects there is a lot of noise there and we will mm -hmm. like this is uh, like the precambric where <laughs> there's an explosion of life and a lot is not going to work and it's many many projects are not going to work Right. Uh, but we're gonna learn a lot from from there, and we have a new way of architect a business and also to you know, finance projects that is going to be um, very beneficial for the world. Like uh, at least in Buenos Aires, there are like thirty projects that are related to uh, to crypto that are well fi financed, and this is uncommon. This this is not common for to to have so many projects in in an emerging market city. They're, they're all well financed. Uh, we got able to to finance our project because I moved to San Francisco. 
<laughs> and I and I fundraised in San Francisco. Most of our investors are from the Silicon Valley. Right. Um, and I got was lucky to be able to do that, or like lucky slash smart enough to 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 know <laughs> that I wasn't going to ever be able to raise uh, money here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before, like, if you wanted to build a big tech startup, you had to move to the U.S. and be in the Silicon Valley. And we are. Just, just by allowing this, uh, just by unlocking this, we're seeing projects all over the world uh, is taking off, uh, based on everywhere. Uh, that's just one thing, and and I think it's gonna mature. It's gonna become even bigger than what it is today. Um, and before, like if, like get access to uh, financial assets uh, was something super expensive. Like if you want to IPO. A, a business you had to do it in Wall Street. It's going to cost you millions of dollars to do yeah. it. And, and but if you do it, you get access to the cheapest form of financing that exists. And so that that I, I think is this year on we're going to start seeing that that's going to start breaking. breaking. And with security tokens, I think it's going to be a lot more companies all everywhere in the world that's going to be more mature, not different type of model, but it's, they're going to get got much better way of financing the company itself. Um, and we got into RCN as, as an idea that's very simple, like credits are going to be in the blockchain. They, they're much easier to transfer. They, you can have a very transparent way to see all the all the history uh, of uh, of the loan, and and for people, for example, it's also going to start uh, showing like you're gonna start being able to build and create a score uh, in 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 the blockchain, and for the scoring providers, it's also going to put a lot more pressure on them. Um, if you are Equifax in Argentina, which is the largest credit score provider, there is no much of auditing. Like if, if they put me an 900 or a 500, and there is no much easier, there is no an easy way to see if, if that actually correlates to my credit profile. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you start publishing this credit score from agents into the blockchain, then you're gonna see the history. Like if, and if they put, uh, a good score to someone like if they are putting good or bad scores that's going to show um, because there is this public record that we all see and and then um that's going to bring a lot more transparency that that before did not exist so i think that's i've got a couple other questions but i think that's a really good segue in terms of uh, in terms of what bloom is doing and and you know how it ripio will 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 feed into that. Um, something a lot of our community members know uh, for Bloom is that if there is an error, we actually are providing a way <laughs> for you to to, identi- to report the discrepancy, work with the, the whoever the data provider was to actually resolve that. And so certainly that's, that's something that we get up here as well because Equifax is a big factor in the US and Canada, as we know, thanks to some of the issues that have happened over the last year or two. And uh, there are others like TransUnion and Experian. Experian's a, a pretty much a non-factor in Canada, but TransUnion is a big one. Um, 
And so you're right, there's there's really no good way to actually call up TransUnion or, or figure out where the actual error is that's leading to your 500 score instead of 650 or, or 700 or whatever you think it's supposed to be and actually fi fix it. Um, so I'll, we'll come back to these other couple of questions, but since you, you mentioned it, um, what can you explain a little bit from Ripio's perspective what the partnership is going to look like? How how are pe how are people using the credit network DAP, uh, for example, or the or the wallet? How are they actually going to going to to see their Bloom ID um, integrated? Cool. So every loan um, has uh, several parameters that that create that identify like build the loan. Uh, that proves the identity or have claims of the identity for the for the user. Uh, there is a programmable disclosure, so it's it's not that your entire credit history is going to be right. public for everyone. But there is a claim for the identity, a tie to the loan that could be disclosed in case of our default. Um, so the the integration is is for is for Bloom being one of the identity providers. We're building this so, so that there could be many uh, identity providers that connect with, with RCN. We think like there is, uh, identity is a very tough problem and no one has, is, is, has can solve it for the entire world. Or in, or in, so we, we want it to be open so that many can provide and Bloom may be better in some regions or some population segments and others may be better in other locations. Like uh, we're partnering also with another company in India that has a big percent of the um, the identities of India cover, and the same for Brazil. Um, so uh, Bloom is going to be one of the identity providers, and the user is going to be able to see it like coming into something more more, more practical. How the UX is going to look. Um, through the, we're launching an app uh, right now. You can see it on test, testnet.rcn.loans, where you can see the testnet for 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 the app. And there, uh, hopefully by the end of Q3 uh, or the latest Q4, um, you're gonna be able to log in into RCN Loans with your Bloom ID and request a loan through the app using using your Bloom Bloom ID. And that is going to, there are different types of loan. It could be with a collateral or without a collateral and it could, will get published uh, into into our network and people all over the world could, uh, could finance it. Um, so basically you're going to be able to log in with your Bloom ID and request a loan in our network. Nice. Um, is the plan to... It's going to be super... Is, is part of the plan to um, provide data as well as part of Bloom IQ? Like if I've if I've done if I've taken out a loan before yeah. on RCN, and then I go to I don't know another place where I think I can get a better rate or something like that. Can I pull it? Will I be able to to pull in or or authorize seeing my past loan data on RCN so that I can show I've got a Bloom a good Bloom score for a reason? So in our loans, there, there is a um, uh, score agent. So Bloom can become also a, a scoring agent. And, and it, it, 
and it's gonna flow both ways. So okay. if you were in other places having good credit score, you're gonna be able to pull that into your loan in, in RCN, and we want that uh, trans transportation also be open going outside. So um, it, it should build up your uh, your you, the data that there is in the blockchain for for any network. Um, even if you build it in other places and, and coming coming into into us, and also uh, we're making in a ways that where you can pull information from different, um, you could have more than one score provider. So one score could be from Bloom, another score could be let's say you're a review user, and we have transaction information from you that can build up into your score, and we can also provide something for that. There could be more than one score provider. Uh, that bring data uh, to to the loan. Um, so that that will like to be that complex. It will take time. Uh, at, at the beginning, it will likely be just one score provider per per loan. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the future, you could pull information from different sources, so that there is a much uh, detailed uh, model uh, of your score and how good you are as a how credit worthy you are. So for anybody who says, well, then how is that decentralized? You heard it here, and I've said it before in mm -hmm. Telegram. You will have multiple providers to choose from for pretty much everything eventually. But yeah. of course, it takes time mm -hmm. to, to integrate everybody and to find good providers, um, whether you know, any sort of data or attestation providers. Um, so I, I think we'll end off by going back a couple questions uh, in this way. You, again, you've mentioned a couple of times of how of the different types of loans um the credit network rcn is going to enable can you can you talk a little bit more in depth about that I, you mentioned earlier that uh that co-signing is really common yeah so when when we begin thinking of network we uh, we're looking at how lending works currently uh, at least in emerging markets and one model that is very successful that also has the lowest interest rates is one where there is a guarantor that um, signs together with, with the borrower. So, for example, if you're in a small business in, in Argentina, Brazil, even in Spain, uh, one way to finance yourself is to create a check where you put the date in the future and sell it uh, at a discount uh, today. So you can make a check in a month and can only cash it at the date, which will be in, in a month, and then you get a discount for that. Mm -hmm. If you're in a small business that no one, that is not well known, uh, the discount is likely to be very high. Um, but if you get an SCR, a Sociedad de Garantia Reciproca, to sign the check with you, what they actually do is they put a rubber stamp on the back and sign it. Um, then we'll cover the loan if you if you uh, if you default. Then you can you, the discount you get is much lower. And between what you pay to the CR and what you pay for for the discount is much lower than doing it yourself. Right. Um, so basically, we copy that model and build it in a, in a smart contract. Um, so when a user today requests a loan through our app, 
they say how much the money they, they, they want and what the interest rates they are willing to pay and then that gets published into the network. Uh, we also co-sign for, for our users together with them because we have information about their transaction history and we're onboarding other co-signers to also be part of the network because there is companies that have this business which is be a guarantor for other people mm-hmm. and they have collection local collection mechanisms and also to make it so that that way if you you can request a loan even so that you don't have a collateral and that way you can use your reputation on or, or or have a, another uh, agreement with someone to be your guarantor in uh, in a loan and this way also allows it to to be global because because imagine that you're a lender that is financing a loan from asia let's say south korea or china sure uh, and the borrower is in brazil and if they default then it's very difficult to go after them because they're in another jurisdiction mm-hmm. um, and then um, it will be very expensive or you won't have the knowledge on how to do it so that's why it's so important the cosigner uh, because the cosigner is a local entity that can do the collection cool that's i mean co-signing you know getting a guarantor is no we're not strangers to that certainly up north um but um i've only ever heard of it happening you know on like a one-on-one basis like i could get my parents to help to co-sign a loan for me if i needed to buy a car and i was still 18 or something like that right and i don't have a credit history built up which is a whole other issue and jesse's talked about that at length uh, in terms of his own history and one of the reasons why he wanted to start bloom mm-hmm. um but I don't, I don't believe it's very common at a, at a business level. So I thought that was really interesting. And it, I think it's, it's something I'm noticing with, with um, blockchain projects starting local, you know, with the jurisdictions they, under, they know and understand and can easily get, you know, lawyers to access and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. but, but eventually expanding outward is, is kind of exporting these just different ways of doing things um just internally at, at uh, in bloom in our private slack uh, somebody posted an, art- an article about how american banks are just now starting to um avoid having to ask the irs for tax receipts for somebody and just saying like hey why don't you just like provide a couple of pay stubs or or something like that instead just to show that you actually do have uh you know income uh, and i and i mm-hmm. wrote i'm like we've been doing that in canada for years like that's i i don't i never i don't go ask canada revenue agency to 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 provide the bank with information i just i go i grab a couple t- pay stubs i'm already a bank client anyway so they've luckily you know i'm, I'm fortunate enough to yeah. have a bank account <clears throat> a history with the bank here's a couple of pay stubs or a letter from my employer saying yes derek's been employed for this long he makes this much money uh you know, at least to vouch for that, which of course is mm-hmm. a form of attestation, but it's clearly not decentralized in any way. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's funny that, you know, there, there's, it, we've been at banking for hundreds and hundreds of years and there's still individual different ways of doing things in different areas of the world or specific countries or regions that some things have been exported and started to use 
be used elsewhere. And yet we're still at a point in 2018 where there's still new ideas or ideas that, that can be used elsewhere that we haven't been using very often, uh, if at all. So I think that's really, really cool that, um, you know, potentially uh, uh, my ex-boss's small business could co-sign for a friend of his who wants to start something different and new, but he thinks it's credit, credit worthy. And, uh, and you can have the business co-sign instead. I think that's really, really neat or a neat idea at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think uh, is, um, there are, there's going to be many different models for, uh, for almost everything. And, and the nice thing about this period of time is there is so much experimentation mm -hmm. and we will see what things work better and what, which ones were and don't don't even work um i think with credit is such a key market and that's it's, it's so important uh for for the economy that i think there's gonna be many models i don't think there's gonna be one one model that covers entire everything um currently the model at, at the moment we are seeing a lot of models in crypto with collaterals because they fit with the current user base that has crypto. Mm -hmm. um, but if we want to go, go outside of that and, and we really want to empower people and help them financially, uh, we cannot put such a strong restriction on asking them to have crypto. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and also have enough that they can, like they were able to save it and that they can put it on the side for for a period of time right so um, so that's that's why we put so much focus on on the cosine model but the but there, there's gonna be many models and and i think there is a space for uh for several of them because this is a ginormous uh, problem and and debt is even bigger than the capital market mm -hmm. um yeah, well, so, seven, seven plus billion people who could potentially have at least a little bit of debt at any one point in time, you know, depending on the interest rate, yeah. depending on the need, depending on, on yeah. at the point of their life, you know, at seven billion people times, you know, some sort of short term emergency loan, like a credit card or like a, a line of credit that they don't want to use very often, or a car loan or a house loan slash mortgage or 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 like you know it's, it's it's not even just debt it's different types of debt for different needs different time frames that they that that people need them for or businesses need them for absolutely it's it's uh, a massive undertaking that we've we've gotten ourselves into as a society or as a as a as a species and you know, clearly we've all identified that there are much better ways to to do it still uh, uh regardless and and we've got that opportunity now that as you've been demonstrating and as bloom is trying to to help foster um all right i've had you now for 50 minutes halftime is almost done uh is there is there anything we haven't talked about that you really wanted to to make sure you got across or are you pretty happy I, I, i'm pretty happy i think we got cover uh everything that that, that was needed i think like also just to add to this like sometimes like credit has a uh just a bad reputation uh, for for everything that that can happen with it but 
that it can be really mob mobilizer of the, the economy. It can really have a big impact into uh, into making people's life better. Mm -hmm. um, if you if if you don't like, you need a bicycle to um, to get faster to work and have some more more time in your life. Uh, you can like win. Like you you can buy today something that will make your year better. And mm -hmm. um, and you or you can get access into something that will allow you to start a, a, a business or or fix your your house and and it's a very big trade uh, really mobilizes the economy it can change the when when an economy is in trouble usually the central bank tries to push credit because it cre it creates jobs it um, it can move uh, move an economy and give access to housing. There, there are many things that, that can happen with it. And if we improve it just a little, only just a little, it will make lives of millions of people better. So it's uh, I agree. And the half of half of the more than half of the world's population doesn't have access to financial services. It's just that case. So if we can push that a little bit more, we, we are making the lives of millions better. Yeah. And, and without, for better or worse, you know, tons of government handouts and that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's the same thing I've, I've said at, uh, a few times before is just giving somebody the, an, an easy opportunity to, to improve their lives makes a huge, huge difference. It's not about handouts. It's not about charity. It's about giving the people the opportunity because right now, most of them don't even have the opportunity to try to improve their life. They're barely scraping by day to day. They're going to work until they die, whether that's young or old. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we in the West, generally speaking, not everywhere, obviously, but, uh, you know, have a pretty good quality of life. Don't have as many things to worry about. You have obviously some some currency fluctuations to, to handle there, yeah. but, uh, you know, um, uh, still a much much easier life as hard as it may feel sometimes for myself or some of the people i know i still have a much much better life than i could living ten thousand kilometers from here whether it be you know central africa or or parts of asia or that sort of thing i'm i'm living like a king comparatively speaking so i try not to complain um yeah and those and a lot of those people just want want the opportunity and not at you know a 600 percent interest rate that's all <clears throat> okay, well, Sebastian, thank you so much for taking your time, uh, taking some time out of your day to, to speak with us. I hope everybody found this really, really informative and entertaining uh, uh, and that you learned something. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with another Boom Fireside. Until then, thank you so much for watching and have a great day. You too. Thank you, Eric. Bye. Bye, everyone.